0: Hi and welcome to Out of Obscurity. I am, as ever, DJ Puzur. With me today is a new guest, Loveheart. Say hi to everybody.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: We welcome Uh, you to the show after nearly a year of trying to plan this episode intended to be a Halloween themed episode. So we have two Halloween related picks. The first is Monster Classics by Pitch Black Manor followed by Haunted Fang Castle, a novelty album by the punk band The Spits. And we'll get to them very soon. But first, I want to introduce you, since this is your first time on Out of Obscurity. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What kind of music are you into?
1: Hi, thank you. Thanks uh, so much for making this happen. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, goodness. Music, I love it all. (laughs) You know, frankly, uh, lately I've been listening to a lot of the choral, some Robert Palmer, uh, some good old 80s, the Waterboys. Music's just always on in my life, whether it's background or I'm sitting down and focusing on an album. Uh, I listen to a lot of NPR, a lot of talk radio. I do enjoy uh, public radio, um, strictly public and community. And I find a lot of music, harvest music, if you will. Every time I drive up to visit my sister in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, I feel that their college radio station is the best in the state of Wisconsin. So I'm up there, I will be shazamming all day long.
0: <laughs> wow, cool. Shout out to College Radio for sure. We've, yeah. we've never actually met in person. So pardon me, well, and just imagine that I'm adopting a Tucker Carlson face when I ask you this question Are, are women allowed to care about music? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, 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 that's not the kind of talk radio I listen to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. We have had a shortage of female guest hosts, I'll say. Most of us have been kind of obsessive, geeky gentlemen. You're also a mother of a school-aged child, right? Yeah. So how are you influencing and shaping your kids' musical tastes, also, I should ask?
1: Well, I'll be honest, up until earlier this year, I was kind of nervous and a little worried that my son had absolutely zero interest in listening to music. He's in seventh grade. But, you know, frankly, by the time I was in fifth grade, you know, I already had, you know, a nice size collection of CDs. I was requesting albums. I had a boom box, you know, and that's all I did was- listen to my CDs. And time just kept going by and my son really wasn't expressing interest. Like I said, I keep music on in the house. I guess I'm orchestrating that. So he's listening to it by default. We've got some traditional songs. Like on Friday mornings, I like to continue a tradition of a song that... (laughs) (laughs) That used to be played by a a local radio DJ host on Friday mornings. Well, we no longer listen to that radio program, but I'll continue the tradition by putting on the song It's Not Unusual, covered by the Madison band, The Gomers. And it gets us both up and dancing in the morning before school, kind of celebrating tgif friday morning let's do this
0: <laughs> get in the mood get in the mindset sounds good
1: he's, uh, he's coming around the album monster classics by pitch black manor as soon as my son found out that this is our friend's band, and our friends are really talented. And he's like, this is amazing. And he's been listening to Monster Classics on repeat. It's been really great.
0: <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Well, being appreciated, uh, yeah, as a parent, I'm sure must be even more than being a friend. And somebody taking your suggestions to heart is a great feeling. So glad to know that the household sharing is a wholesome activity for mother and son.
1: Yeah, he uh, looks forward to uh, slipping the record. Like if I'm, you know, busy in the kitchen, the record. Done. He's like, oh, I'll go flip it.
0: He's uh, able to handle physical media as a kid too. That's unusual. Got
1: an appreciation for that, you know, whether it was an old car with a cassette deck or under the counter CD player in our kitchen. <laughs>
0: neat, neat, neat. Are you one to usually prefer concert live, or do you like to listen to studio perfection or live albums? Or
1: oh goodness, uh, the older I get, I really do. <laughs> enjoy listening to music in my home. Maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also the pandemic fatigue, but uh, just the thought of going out to a concert right now is kind of nerve wracking. But, you know, ask me that same question, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Oh, concerts all the way. That's the best way to see music. But I really think I did a number on my ears, bad shoes and a <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> boy I had fun. I And, you know, there really is nothing better than just stumbling into a crusty dive bar that's got a local metal band playing. Like, that's always... You know, nobody's going to recognize you there. And just mm-hmm. the energy can bring you out of the shell. I, I don't know. It really depends on the mood. I right. have great appreciation for both.
0: Could you put a number on how many concerts you've been to? Ballpark figure.
1: Oh, ballpark? geez, Hundreds.
0: Good. Good. So, respect. Yeah. So, we, we know we're not dealing with a lightweight here. You're an experienced oh, no, concert goer. No. And-
1: yeah. I mean, like, and it's from all the various spectrums. And you know what? I will include the cultural centers, folk dance, folk musicians as concerts. Mm-hmm as well mm-hmm. <laughs> so if there's sure, music sure. you're there you're
0: yeah <laughs> it totally counts totally counts for sure so to conclude about you can you give for perspective what kinds of music you mentioned metal maybe some of your all-time favorite albums it doesn't have to put you on the spot your all-time favorite but what would be on Chiller. the list
1: metal that was a genre that i was really into back in high school and i'll be honest it hasn't really been on my turntable or repertoire until uh, recently knowing that we were going to be discussing good spooky halloween stuff good throwback. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I've been enjoying it again. But uh gosh, I've decided I do have a number one favorite band, Slash Artist. Mm-hmm. I decided to stop pussyfooting. Oh, commit.
0: I'm, yeah. All right.
1: The Pretenders, hands down, Chrissy Hine mm-hmm. and Pretenders. Mm-hmm. My favorite. Mm-hmm. I can always okay. listen to her music and just be in a great mood. So I'll listen to the pretenders. I've been really enjoying Lobby Safir um lately, some early 70s folk. Hmm, um, never heard of them. I think you'd like since I got my recent uh, stereo set up I've been listening to a lot of seventies prog rock mm-hmm. really enjoying focus yes yeah it's all good mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> now that we can stream it all on streaming platforms it's so much more convenient than finding all the old actual records in a record shop and having to pay through the nose for them, especially for good stuff. You have embraced the medium of Spotify also?
1: I feel like I'm utilizing it as responsibly as I can. And frankly, we're we're talking about, I'm not going to play up this card too much, but I'm a single working mother. I don't have all the time on my hands like I used to be able to just like spend hours digging around, finding new stuff, going to record stores. I'm trying to purge stuff from my life. And I'm also having a hard time switching over to media as well. I don't have like a good computer with great storage space. I appreciate the tangible. So streaming music, that non-committal is lovely. I have been really enjoying brand camp and i do enjoy that i am giving my money directly to these artists for their full album if i'm in the mood to listen to convoy or some kenny Loggins' danger zone like it just you know it fits for the mood mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm not going to commit i'm going to say hey google play some danger zone <laughs> do pay for the premium accounts but yes I'm, I'm paying for convenience I was mentioning before I discover bands and I buy their albums and or I buy their concert tickets really the um the ability to build your own digital mix cassette tape again I hadn't mm-hmm. had that kind of mix building platform since cassettes mm-hmm. and I got Really excited. I think that was like the first realization of like, oh, this is a tool for me and I'm going to use the heck out of it.
0: But but I purchased is... some
1: stuff. I purchased my, you know, my music on Bandcamp as well. I donate to the GoFundMe's. I do what I can.
0: Your heart is clearly in the right place. If you use the streaming platforms to maybe discover new things, and as you mentioned, the popular artists that don't really need your support as much, I think that's mm-hmm. that's perfectly fine. You're as an advocate of Bandcamp, you're definitely helping out the people that do do need it and do need to try to make do in this dog-eat-dog world and winner-take-all market, I suppose. I hear all of that. Any more you want to say about yourself before we get started?
1: No, I think think we're good. I'm really excited to talk about Pitch Black Manor.
0: So let's get started then. We are, as I mentioned, talking about Monster Classics, which is new from 2020. Usually we like to give a a year or so before calling something obscure, so this is right in that range. It has 15 tracks and is rather long, at 59 minutes. We've described it as somewhat metal, all Although we'll talk a lot about genre i think it it mixes a lot of different ones it is not on all music guide and it appears to be self-released without a record label support so that's another point We'll talk about too. This was your album pick. Can you tell us how you heard about them and how your connection to the band?
1: I've got some really talented friends. Some of my dearest friends, Jenna and Josh, they live down in the Quad Cities. My son's really great friends with their kiddos. We're really close friends. Josh has been in some really amazing bands. i first saw him in human aftertaste. I was out in I was in Indiana. I was down in like southern Indiana, found out that they were in northern Indiana playing a a show. And I drove the three hours up that night to go check it out. It was phenomenal. Yeah, back to stumbling into, you know, a nice crusty metal punk scene with just amazing live performance, just great stage presence. Human Aftertaste was kind of like that shock band, you know, with the co- great costumes, personas. They're all actors up there, you know. Uh, we've got a guy wearing a police uniform and a pig mask, and we've got go-go girl strippers, you know, with a race car flags. Josh wore this mullet, <laughs> a baseball cap with a mullet glued into it. <laughs> Persona, the music, it's and, and it's raw talent, too. It's not just a visual show it's like damn these guys are really talented people Mm -hmm. so pitch black manor i was really excited about this when josh was telling me well this is a, a revisit from his high school band him and uh his friends lyle and chad they started this band back in high school in like 91 92 group of really good friends, really into music, video games. uh, A lot of their influence for music came from 8-bit video game music. They grew up with Depeche Mode, good new wave influence there. Jumping ahead, jumping back, they released Monster Classics in 2020. This was a pandemic baby. Not only was it like a 25-year-old reunion, but it was completely remote and virtual. They put together this album via postal service, I mean, if you will. Bringing it back to their roots, their passion, they love classic Universal Studio monsters, those black and white classic horror films. The Mummy, The Invisible Man, a Creature from the Black Lagoon, all of these characters, are Dracula, Frankenstein, The Bride of Frankenstein, all mm-hmm. of these monsters influenced in each song. I and mean, it's you know, not like you go through the album saying, oh, yep, this is Mummy, this is, this is Dracula, da-da-da-da-da. But they definitely covered all the classics, and then some. Like you said, it's mm-hmm. 15 tracks.
0: Jumping from subject to subject, not only, you know, I, I would I emphasize that it is kind of like a highlight reel of all the great monsters, and it's, it's kind of a interesting aesthetic where they've got monster movies playing in the background for their music videos, and presumably also at their concerts, too. And it's... Like, I guess there's kind of a a line between the ones that are on Mystery Science Theater, for example, the the, the hand that wouldn't die and the the really unsuccessful ones, and that you think of as, you know, the really terrible, cheesy ones. But now if you look at the ones that go with this music, which I think is really moving and emotional and it's spooky and dark, but it's at the same time really fun. And you you mentioned these, uh, a lot of people in their reviews, they say these are really nice guys and you're friends with them. So I presume they are actually nice and they're nice guys making nasty but fun music. I think that's a really oh. interesting thing. Oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> you said uh, presumably concerts. I'll just reinforce that this is definitely pandemic baby album. They haven't done any concerts, and it doesn't seem like that's necessarily their end goal either. I think it was really just important that they got this album out. One's out in Des Moines, one's in Quad Cities East Moline, and they've got, oh God, who was it, Chad, out in L.A.? It's kind of stretched over over location, too.
0: More of a a dismembered reincarnation than a full cohesive one because they haven't actually come together physically.
1: (laughs) true. But here now they've got two albums out and a couple of singles. I'm really excited about that.
0: Yes, yes. The uh, new album 2021 and I think there's even a remix album of Night Creeps that just came out for this Halloween month. So I think they know their angle, they know their uh, their niche, and uh, they know when to release an album. It's, it is the season, I suppose. And we'll talk about holiday music, Halloween music in particular, in between the two album picks. I want to ask you as someone who is friends with bands and who has a lot of talented friends who are in bands, and I don't know if you were down in music-making yourself at all. There is a danger of nepotism, wherein you are friends with someone, they make music, and then you inflate how good their music is or how much you like them and how much you think other people should. And I don't think that's happening with them as much as I had experience with others in previous episodes, where I think individual personal correspondence has made people think that, that some music is, I guess, more accessible and better produced than it actually is. Do you, uh, mm-hmm. do you worry about that at all? You're not just trying to make this for them to make them happy,
1: actually? No, no, absolutely not. They've got the talent. They know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't, yeah. of all, i probably the least qualified to be doing this. But at the same time, I told them, <laughs> I'll write you a review. You know, I, w- I will write something on Bandcamp. Here it is been over a year, and I haven't written anything because I don't want to mince my words. I'll just uh, ramble um, on this podcast about the man. How about that? Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good rambling, though. Good rambling. We're, we're substantial. You
1: know, I'm, recognize the talent, too. You know, I've got kind of new ones. You, you listen to it. No, I... I'm a mom, of course. I'm going to encourage all of my beautiful friends and (laughs) family. doing, and I'm only going to say great things about them. However, Pitch Black Manor, really freaking talent. I mean, that's there's a lot.
0: That's not just nurturing mother fan talking. That's legit. Been around the block, seen a few bands play, and uh, yeah, I I agree with you, you and I'm I'm pleased by it. A lot of times, it's it's difficult to, to level with a friend or a family member that, hey, this is interesting, yes, to share with me and your friends and everything, but I wouldn't quit my day job if I were you, and that's a tough conversation to have. I think they are all working day jobs and you mentioned that they're not going to do concerts, but they seem to have a lot of support on Bandcamp. Like for a self-released album, I don't think I've ever seen so many supporters and so many positive comments. Like usually it's a lot more sparse. Have they considered working with a record label? Do you know?
1: They've been working with Eric Peabody, a Viking guitar. He's got a following on YouTube. Like I was saying earlier, I don't know <laughs> I don't know YouTube, so.
0: <laughs> sure, no problem. They
1: do have quite the activity on Bandcamp. That's really exciting. I'll be honest, I only know Josh. I don't know uh, Chad and Lyle. Also, they're in two different locations, so I'm sure that these circles of influence grow, especially when there's greater distance, I suppose. So you've got your following over on the West Coast. You've got some D- Des Moines following. you got your Madison, your Midwest, your Chicago area. Don't quit on that, I suppose.
0: They do their own marketing. <laughs> do you think it's mostly word of mouth, or do you think if they're not playing concerts, they have no record label to support them. So how did they get their word out there? I've seen an article in the Quad Cities website or something about them, but I don't know how many people are reading a Quad Cities website, for example. Um,
1: <laughs> sure. And you know, I know that there's the niche crowd down there in the Quad Cities. There's lots of music down there. Um, Josh did say that he's selfless promoter. I mean, that's what he does. He's got to... You mean yeah, relentless
0: or relentless self-promotion? <laughs> yes, yes. A selfless um, self-promoter is not going to get very far.
1: Uh, thanks for that correction.
0: <laughs> you have said that you don't listen to metal as much anymore. So the question is, listening to loud rock music after the age of thirty or so, what is your <laughs> standard for how loud can you go now, and uh, how hard is too hard? Well, is this about as hard as you get? Or
1: I guess when I'm like in a real bad funk and I'm like cleaning the house, I listen to Fugazi really, really loud. I'm not afraid of loud, angry music at all there's Um, a time and a place (laughs) i think it's a time it's pure uh, music for me is very very much situational
0: (laughs) Uh, well other than my brother i would say that i've pretty much left my angsty loud rock days behind me so this is about as hard as i get lately yeah
1: you know i was surprised and i knew i was going to be discussing this album with you so you know i've been i've been listening to it and i've been diving deep into it and i'm so glad i am because now i'm listening to it out of not habit but desire like Yeah, I'm in the mood for this right now. (laughs) Uh Like books too, I binge. When I'm happy with an album, I will listen to it and I will listen to it and I will listen to it. There'll be another one too. Not like this is going to go, you know, collect dust on the shelves or anything, but.
0: (laughs) So would you describe it still as metal or a lot of people have also said new wave, uh, alternative rock. I hear some show tunes, some dark cabaret and goth. And we could have a long conversation I've had on Reddit about what is and is not goth or post-punk. How many different genres can they mix here, do you think?
1: Well, yeah, you started it off. Definitely uh, some solid rock, new wave going down uh, I think that's I think maybe track number three, Creature from well, the Black Lagoon. Yeah, punk yeah. rock down. That is like solid punk song.
0: <laughs> sure, yeah. We'll talk individual songs in a minute. I want to get the general ideas. Uh, how about Dark Wave? Have you heard of Death Rock?
1: Sure, Death Rock Industrial, you know, mm-hmm. some skinny puppy influence in there. Yeah. Oh, so gosh. How do, they, how do
0: they mix it all together? I mean, usually, especially for goth, I think that there are some guardians, I guess, some gatekeepers that basically try to keep the pantheon pure and they're very particular about what is and is not God. I'm not sure if the, the guys that I've interacted with would agree on this because it, it has to be a very specific kind of post-punk focusing on guitars. The guitar is the main instrument here, but there's a lot of keyboards too.
1: A lot of great keyboard, a lot of synthesizer. And Josh was going on, like synthesizer really frees up the ability to get the sound that you want. Him and, you know, two other kids, you know, back in high school and they're like, we've got all the options for the sound effects right here on the keyboard. When it comes to specific genre it, Frankly, I'm not the one that's having a conversation of like, no, oh, that's not metal. That's dark metal. That's, <laughs> so I can't really I can't go down oh, that too far on that conversation. But I would like to hear uh-huh. your opinions because that was a really good question. Okay. I don't know. What okay. do you think to
0: say? I would say synth rock, new wave. And I, I would actually question metal. I'm not sure that I hear as much metal as, as you mentioned, a kind of harder rock, an alternative well, I rock, and blast. for me was pretty
1: metal in my opinion. That would be the
0: exception. The exception, the yeah.
1: little of filth vocals, even you know, that I like. <laughs>
0: yeah 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 mixing it all together that's it's it is very impressive because i think everybody wants to say they can jump from one style to another but to actually do it and not lose the people not lose the purists who say well i only listen to goth rock or i only listen to metal or it seems like metal and goth people don't necessarily mix a lot they're obviously both loud rock in a lot of cases but, but i think they kind of try to run separate crowds for the most part i don't know socially what kind of scenes you've run with in the past but
1: As far as all the mixed genres in here, it's such a perfect blend. You know, yeah, you're not going from one extreme to the next, but it it really is a a perfect blend. And frankly, when Josh and his wife, Jenna, they were getting really excited and telling me about this album. It was like one of the couple of visits ago that I I was hosting them for the weekend. They were like, yeah, you're going to really enjoy this album because like, frankly... Each songs is different than the next. It's all really great. And I love some of these songs. They're straight up dancey. You know, there's absolutely, some disc. Absolutely. You know what? Let's start to kill in the mix. Yeah. Some synth disc.
0: <laughs> when I think of a Halloween album, I initially would think it's going to be scary and spooky. This is not a soundtrack or an atmospheric album. This is more like a costume dance party album, don't you think?
1: Clearly. Oh, yes, yes. And, and when they were saying, well, you know, concerts may not be end goal. I'm like, oh, but you know what? when concerts are safe again, please, please, please do a Halloween party concert because oh, yeah. I'll be there. I'll be dancing my hardest.
0: <laughs> for sure, for sure. I saw a review of this album on a website by a fan of goth rock, and the reviewer says that uh, this was really refreshing because of how upbeat and goofy it was even. He's used to reviewing a lot of very serious, dour, dark-themed, darkly-sounding goth rock, and this is so, he says, so over the top, I wouldn't call it serious by any means, so it's just a really a lot of fun.
1: But by no means I, I would consider it like a, a parody album or like a goofy no. oh
0: album. no i mean there are goofy moments i think <laughs> oh, <laughs> just yeah, i think I mean, the goofy moments are drawn from the influences in classic monster movies i think mainly where it's kind of campy
1: yeah play up on that mm-hmm.
0: they're def- definitely not knocking the the musical chops of the band they're, they're right up there good solos good melodies good choruses yeah, good song structure varied great vocal um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. The production, I think, is what was missing on a lot of self-released albums, especially. Impressively clean. Do you know if they had any... uh, It was mixed in a lot of different places. Do you know anything about the production, or they got somebody to yeah, do it himself? Yeah,
1: you know, I forgot to get the area or the location in the U.S. that their studio guy is in. I mentioned uh, Eric Peabody is in my notes of Viking Guitar. You know, this album came together by sending, you know, the digital files back and forth, starting with, like, maybe mock vocals or skeleton structures of what could be a song, you know, passing back and forth. Seems seemed like Eric Peabody was the one that did the uh, studio production for it.
0: Do you know if he's done other albums? or has a good uh, backlog of, of hits. Uh, it doesn't sound like it was made in somebody's bedroom. It sounds like it was really done well. Someone who's got not only the technical skills, but also a vision, I think is, is what's really missing in the best producers. Like they, they know what the big picture they want it to sound like as a whole.
1: I completely agree. doesn't sound like a basement.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: From what I do know, it sounds like Eric Peabody can be found on YouTube doing a uh, video game music. <laughs> like uh, That seems to be what he does or a big part of what what he does. Mm-hmm.
0: Appreciate that bit yeah. of knowledge. Good. If, uh, if you've got a, an average novelty album, and we talked about this uh, in my previous episode of Out of Obscurity, last week we did Gods, this week we're doing Monsters. And if you haven't seen the, the movie Gods and Monsters about the director of Frankenstein from the late 90s, recommended. I think I remember that. Thumbs up for that. So novelty albums, this is, would you say, a novelty band that is going to stick to a novelty, dark monster horror movie theme for the duration of its existence? or to, could they put out a straight rock album that's totally on different I, themes do you think
1: If they were to put out you know a strictly rock album they would be a different band at that point like- Pitch Black Manor, this is their project. They know their capabilities and what the mission is behind this particular band. I mean, these are all artists. And they're going to be doing their own projects, but when it comes to monster music, monster music is going to be done by Pitch Black Manor.
0: <laughs> if you look at the the previous bands, though, you mentioned Human Aftertaste. That doesn't sound exactly mainstream.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and that definitely be found. I guess the metal gah scenes as well. If you uh, gave them a listen, you you'd you'd see a lot of, um, well, Josh's influence in both Human Aftertaste and Pitch Black Matter.
0: Two others that were mentioned in the Quad Cities article were Savage Gentlemen and Hot Candy Idols.
1: Hot Candy Idols. Yeah, that's another one I'm only vaguely aware of.
0: Each band is going to have a different sound and a different with or without the monster theme or the, the horror theme, you think?
1: I think so. My first thought was like, oh, the perfect album for the month of October. If you listen to metal music, if you listen to, you know, these blends of rock and new wave and goth music, so to speak, all, <laughs> all of these genres that we were listed off previously, this will be on your, you know, regular repertoire fallback album. I don't think this sure. is for the month of October. I don't think this is purely a Halloween album, but it certainly works well mm-hmm. for it. And yes, they should get into the uh, Halloween Express circuits. They should be selling this album, physical copies at the uh, pop up Halloween stores. I could see mm-hmm. that working. Definitely. Really
0: definitely. Well. <laughs> this is year round listening. I wouldn't just, not just for holiday music, not that I, I subscribe to that idea anyway. Before we get into the actual songs, you want to talk about his vocal style? I would
1: yeah, I love it. Like this guy uses his throat, his larynx as his instrument. I love it. <laughs> He'd make such a great actor. In my opinion, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he's great with I, impressed talent, animated, very animated guy. You can put on the stick.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, performance, the, the, the persona element out-of-body experience almost. Yeah? The
1: song requires, you know, high-pitched screaming vocals, you know, he's on it, or, you know, more crooning, uh, Depeche Mode <laughs> act.
0: He can really belt it out, he can yelp. you hear a little bit of a uh, pure ubu in the yelping, and uh, yeah, as you mentioned screaming. Cradle of Filth is not a band that I've ever listened to, but I'm pretty familiar with screaming vocal style, and I, you, normally that would uh, turn me off. <laughs> that would be, uh, I'm going to skip this track, but I, he does it so well. I
1: don't know how I used to put screaming up with it. Actually. done properly. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, it's done very appropriately, you know, it's like the perfect seasoning in a dish just the right amount howling that's i mean you need a good werewolf howl
0: his lyrics are i wouldn't say necessarily there's you know obviously death metal and and those kinds of styles there they're really gruesome (laughs) they're really violent i would call these lyrics more darkly fun than gruesome he's having a good time while he's chopping up the body you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) quite quite
0: (laughs) so i don't know if it's sadistic Or if it's just, how would you describe him dealing with these dark lyrical themes while having fun?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, if you ever met him... (laughs)
0: Does he joke about stalking people and knifing people in the back and (laughs) monsters just in casual conversation?
1: Horror is his passion. You go to his house and it's like a horror movie museum. You've got all the posters, you've got dummies, you've got a room full of Ouija boards and, um, human anatomy books and books on witchcraft. And this, this is awesome. (laughs) This is what he's always been fascinated. His passion is amazing. Lives and breathes it. Has a time job.
0: Do you, do you know if he has favorite horror movies?
1: You know, I guess I never asked him his absolute favorite, but uh, definitely, you know, that love for the black and white universals, old movies from studios that have gone dead, Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi. Um, the classics.
0: OK, all, the, all that good stuff. I don't know if you agree. Maybe there's kind of a, an 80s feel to the songs here, like it's maybe kind of 80s revivalism in some ways. That reminds me then of, I don't know if you've seen It Follows, the horror movie. Oh, I have not. They, they have a good 80s soundtrack to that, it? made in the 21st century, but a kind of a throwback also. So there's definitely a nostalgia factor, and so combining the images... He, he seems to prefer the, the really old stuff, but I, I really am reminded any of his songs could be the closing credits to a monster movie, to a horror movie. I think yeah. you're saying
1: 80s. I'm thinking Wes Craven, I'm thinking Scream or Nightmare on Elm Street for sure. Uh, well, maybe mm. not Scream too much, but uh, Three Warriors that had a pretty solid 80s soundtrack, <laughs> right? right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, the, the influence is all over,
0: specifically kind of the, the electronic keyboard sound. I, I think so, there's the right, atmospheric versus the more pop, and these would be the the pop accompaniment to the soundtrack, I think. These would be the pop singles on the uh, otherwise atmospheric one. Spooky.
1: Your meld of Vincent Price and pop music and video games.
0: I'm ready to talk about individual songs. What do you want to talk about your favorite song or which ones stand out to you?
1: First and foremost, their first track on the album, Mummy is Alive. What a solid way to introduce this album. That is just a great rock song, driving chant, good chant along song. It's catchy. It's great. You know, that that one, two, three, four, five, this mum is alive. It braces you for the rest of the elk. It's like, okay, I'm ready. This is getting me up and moving and going.
0: It really fits with the idea of reincarnation and coming back to life after 20 years away. Right, right. itself right. throughout on many songs, but as you mentioned, it's like, this is coming back from the dead as a band. Not only as a band, but as a band fronted by these guys are older than I am. They're in their 40s. An atypical age to have success. What is their goal? Is Are they going to do a concert tour once it's possible? And that would, right. be, that would be awesome if they did. It's never too late, basically.
1: What is it? You know, older, wiser, more talent. I don't know. You've got more room to grow <laughs> and clearly <laughs> you been their passion all this while. This is what they do. They do music. I give a lot of credit. You had asked if I dabbled around in music. I did. Back in high school, I was in a band. I played music. I went to a lot of shows. We, we played some shows. I've participated in some other little things that never really came together, but I stopped playing music. And you know, the moment you do, you forget how to play it. It's really yeah. not like a bike. Uh-huh. If you're adamant about it, if you play an instrument, you're actively practicing. Always, I stopped practicing. I picked up the accordion a couple of years ago. There you go. That I'll was really, you. I think I needed it at that time. I'll be honest, it's been in its case for the past two years. But, you know, Josh, um, back to Josh, uh, the frontman of Pitch Black Manor. He is such a great friend. He's always encouraging me to do music, to do it more. He recognizes that I've got an ear and the appreciation now i just gotta do it it's
0: good for the soul even if you're not ready to go pro
1: i need people like that in my life i I love josh i love josh dearly i love his partner jenna dearly they are lifelong friends
0: how sweet as we're talking about bloody monster rap pages (laughs) (laughs) have the sense of friendship as we perhaps share a corpse together
1: oh yeah i mean (laughs) good human beings out there
0: (laughs) good
1: good he may be a werewolf
0: has yet to be yeah. proved, but let the <laughs> accusation stand.
1: As far as songs go, Ghoul Fever. I want to bring that one up because I really enjoyed talking Ghoul Fever with Josh
0: yesterday. He
1: described that song as their disco equivalent of the Monster Mash. It's not a specific Dracula song. It's not a specific Mummy song. But like, we are getting all the ghouls and spooks and creepy crawly things together, and it is a disco dance party song for sure. I love it. It gets you up yeah. and moving.
0: A lot of. Cra- female vocals there. The outro sound has the white noise of a party.
1: And if it's- I can, you know, like give major applaud to the female vocalist, it's perfect. It's perfectly placed. I love the backup vocals in that song. Uber dancey. Another uber dancey song is Bite Fire, track number two yeah. on the album. Ooh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Especially to follow that werewolf love song, very new wavy, Depeche Moody, keyboardy kind of song. But Bite Fire gets you back up. It's synthy, it's new wave, very croony vocals. And and great female vocals, but then, like, when he starts crying, my body's like fire. You know, you just feel <laughs> you hear that tragic yell, and it's glorious, it's absolutely glorious.
0: I feel it, yeah.
1: Hearing that tragedy in the voice or in the lyric, that driving vocals. Track number nine When You Make a Monster,
0: that was yeah, that was, that was really brief. I don't know if you're a Rocky horror fan, also, yeah, it definitely <laughs> reminded me. There are lots of theatrical elements, as you mentioned. I'm glad to hear that they do put on a real, not just a, a audio, but a visual performance on stage. So I definitely got the feeling that this could be turned into a, a monster opera.
1: Oh yeah, I like
0: that. Totally I like accompanied it accompanied with yeah. with characters and costumes on stage.
1: Very theatrical. I love how that entire song, just like a crescendo, just like that tragic Frankenstein. You know, he's building this monster. He's slowly going insane, well, quickly because the song's only two minutes and twelve seconds. But yeah, the the, the pain, the vocal it it ends so abruptly. Oh, I yeah. liked it. Uh, That's a good one.
0: If you only have 2 minutes to work with, yeah, get to it. They definitely do on that one. They all have really nice choruses and they don't at the same time they don't feel repetitive or formulaic. Pretty much everybody who lists a favorite song on Bandcamp chooses a different one from everybody else. So I mean, there's there's no lemons on this. So you don't have to, I don't feel like to skip anything. It's uh listenable straight through and everything takes you to a different place, it introduces a different monster, some better known than others.
1: I'll be honest, I do skip over track number 5. Destroyer, destroyer the lyric awesome they're about the invisible man clearly when you listen to it maybe it's just me and this is a solid gold album but the chorus for that one uh, maybe there's a past trauma in the back of my head that gets triggered (laughs) interesting
0: interesting well i will maybe over the course of no dozens of episodes that we'll do in the future what is a skippable song to you that messing up a chorus or
1: something and just like that repetitive there's a a noise level or a, a volume level pitch level maybe Interesting,
0: okay Everybody's got their own sensitivities For sure
1: There's nothing wrong with that Like I said It's an awesome song still The lyrics are great I'm fascinated by it Mm -hmm. (laughs) I appreciate it I do skip over it (laughs) Sure,
0: okay That's good to be honest I think for myself What actually do would be skippable is, like you mentioned, if the chorus is too repetitive or if the lyrics are stupid or if I just don't like the tune. The singer, I think will do it too.
1: Or knowing if a song's going to get stuck in my head. Like, yeah, that repetitiveness.
0: (sighs) Or if you've heard something too many times. (laughs) I get that for radio singles all the time. Like, I'll I'll skip the single on the album just to prevent that. You are pro or anti since we talked about thresholds of loudness. Uh, The blasphemy metal song, is that a highlight or a low light for you?
1: (laughs) You know, it actually just makes me laugh. It's done so well. It's not my style. I recognize it as being a well-done song, though, and it makes me smile. Blasphemy, <laughs> I'm such, <laughs> like, that's the, like, most metal <laughs> word that's repeated a, in this song. It's pretty great.
0: <laughs> it's the darkest and hardest song, and I think that's the one that comes closest to, okay, are you showing that you have serious metal cred, or are you paradizing the entire genre here? I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> I want to say that they're having fun with themselves in that song. <laughs> okay.
0: To be unsure that you can take it straightforward as this is a rock out metal song, but you might also not be in on the joke if you just heard it and you were a metal fan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that gray area is a very neat place to, a uh, tenuous place. Very neat. <laughs> I like that. Uh, uncertainty. <laughs> ambiguity there. <laughs> you said going down with the ship i thought that was a pretty hopelessly romantic nice rock song a lot of these actually reminded me of david bowie maybe that one for some reason gave me the major tom feeling
1: this is definitely top favorite song on the album going down it's tragic but it's punk it is the only song on the album that's really the perspective of the true victim it's pretty neat um i wanted to bring that up because that's something that josh stressed as well
0: what is the true victim
1: well the true victims the sailors on this boat there's this Monster that's trying to pull him down. There's this captain, Bleep. capitalism. <laughs> you we're got your boss. <laughs> you got your boss monster, and you've got the sea monster, and you know these sailors
0: serve <laughs> one master while fighting off another.
1: Quite, they're the ones that are paying.
0: Definitely a highlight.
1: Yeah, recognizing we're gonna drown, we're gonna die. This is that's it. That's-
0: the, the the metal versus non-metal, and punk versus I, punk. I didn't hear as much of this whole album. I think that there's too many keyboards. I think that for both punk and for metal, keyboards are kind of a no-no. Oh, among purists. Do you have a stance on that?
1: Then uh, my stance is I'm probably using that term loosely. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. I know Adam and his package is obviously a hardcore keyboard-based band, but they're kind of on the fringe.
1: I don't know that one.
0: Adam and his package? Oh, you gotta hear them another day. Hmm. The song Castle uses a phantom-like organ. You expect a monster movie to have a lot of spooky organ. I think it stood out most there, but also in terms of classic metal guitars. So that's a nice combination.
1: I like that one. It's like any spooky Spooky, scary castle this is that metal music that you're going to be listening to at that castle
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. totally totally you know can you imagine an old guy dressed in an old dilapidated suit patched up sitting at the organ waiting for the night to come yeah invoking yeah. the monsters a couple more dancing fiend reminded me oh. of zappa's dancing fool dancing fiend dancing fool i don't know if he intentionally wanted to compare the two it was definitely a dancier kind of fluffy track the point of zappa's dancing fool is to totally trash the entirety of disco though with a strange monster theme I think uh, again that he's celebrating it that Pitch Black Manor celebrates and embraces the trashy disco let's just shake it dance away our troubles kind of a thing yeah absolutely which I will allow yes. (laughs)
1: little campy trashy disco (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) with monsters and ghouls if John Waters was Vincent Price there you go
0: I like the combination we'll talk John Waters with the, uh, the spits next too so the last two tracks are a bonus on the album there are two versions of 1692 do you have thoughts on that either of those
1: I love it. This one makes my heart grow big. I just kind of like, I have that proud mama kind of feel when I listen to it. Their live production, you know, in 1995, and, you know, they're remastered. I love it. It's all grown up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I thought the undead version reminds me of El Duce. Do you know El Duce? Oh, I don't. He was the kind of outsider, the mentors, uh, kind of like a really stripped down punk group. He claimed that Courtney Love offered him several thousand dollars to whack Kurt Cobain and the documentary, Kurt and Courtney. He was struck and killed by a train after uh, mysterious circumstances.
1: There was some excitement in his life.
0: He played up his uh, scraggly dirtiness, his misogyny also, which Uh, might have been sincere.
1: (laughs) I wouldn't put it past him.
0: Others have compared that one to Nick Cave, which I'm not sure I hear as much. All of these songs really invite comparisons. If you have a recommended if you like list, who would you recommend this to fans of? I think you mentioned Punk and all the styles, but yeah, but specifically which bands and which artists who may be more famous would also like this. I mentioned Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, I like
1: that you brought up the theatrics and I love that. My answer is going to be a little bit more vague from experience of who I've recommended this to. I've recommended this band to a friend of mine who is an artist and an author and her entire Instagram handle is filled with just images of roadkill. That's Ooh. her shtick on Instagram. That's <laughs> just her shtick. It's not who she is, but like uh-huh. she has appreciation for the macabre. I'm introducing this to my artistic friends. I'm in Introducing this to my theatrical friends, for sure. People that are not afraid of some good rock music. Mm. Anybody that goes to the Wisco, I suppose, that's a bar.
0: Fit for the people who like, say, White Zombie and Marilyn Manson, you know, that far from the hard, uh, mm. dark rock any or of, not.
1: Any of those fans really take those artists seriously? Probably not. Those guys, they're celebrities that I have no interest in.
0: Like These myself, you have limits for... I
1: can't ma- take major celebrities very seriously. So yeah, totally any you. major... <laughs> And that takes these artists seriously. Nah, they pr- probably wouldn't get it. Maybe they would. Hey, okay. that'd be cool. You know what? Maybe I should be a little bit more open-minded. I do apologize. I want to take that back. Being oh, open-minded. No, no. Be, shared be with snobby. <laughs>
0: BD Snobby, there is a, we have a problem with celebrity culture, and when somebody sucks all the air out of the room with their celebrity aura, I think that you lose a lot of the more interesting stuff. But, I
1: mean, I'm also trying to uphold my nickname, Loveheart. I'm trying to remain my yes, you're big here. old heart.
0: You're, you're not here to hate on anybody. Fans of Mike Patton gets into the, mm-hmm. the harder and strange themes. Maybe Ministry for the Halloween connection there. Yeah. I, uh, I
1: was going to skinny any puppy Ministry, I like that. Do you know God. My Life
0: with the Thrill Kill Cult.
1: That name sounds so familiar. I wouldn't doubt it.
0: Some more humorous ones. I don't know if you know Midwest's own Voot Warnings, who plays kind of punk hard rock from the 90s and 80s, who I think may also have been a drag queen.
1: That uh, was Midwest? No, I'm not familiar. I do have my list of people older, to look older into. The days.
0: Very obscure on that one. How about Rob Crow's Goblin Cock?
1: <laughs> no, but that title made me giggle too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: They definitely have a sense of humor and they're hard rock.
1: I love that. Obviously, I love
0: that. Obviously, we mean oh. cock in the rooster sense. Clearly. (laughs) Nothing unfamily friendly about that name. Devo, maybe some, uh, yeah, you mentioned Depeche Mode, good. Voltaire with the Dark Cabaret. So really just a a laundry list of all these other bands and artists that I think mention uh, an Indonesian band that I'll I'll put in the recommended if you like. So there's lots of different spinoffs.
1: That's wonderful. Yeah. When you mentioned Devo, Josh specifically said, yeah, Devo, there is absolutely no hiding that they have been a major influence on our music. He appreciated that on your list of artists that you, would throw out there they probably would actually appeal to a Marilyn manson crowd now that i think about it one thing that uh, josh did mention that i found very wholesome about this album specifically his lack of disappointment in this album has been so important throughout the entire process mm-hmm. his lack of disappointment it's, it's just been smooth this is all coming naturally and fluidly amongst these artists it really just came together. He said there was no pain in writing the album. During time off with our COVID restrictions, the beginning of the pandemic, there were a lot less distractions. There was a lot more time to focus. I mean, he did have a lot of time off going back part time. This was a perfect outlet to make this album happen. As a consumer of music, as an appreciation, as a major fan of this album, I'm so glad that this came out of the pandemic for them and for us, the listener.
0: Looking for silver linings in the cloud, for sure, of uh, a global pandemic. Do you know if all of the songs are new or I wasn't sure if any of them are other than 1692 that had, been, had they been part of the set list for previous incarnations or concerts
1: I want to say that they're all new you better not quote me on that
0: can you say anything about uh, the music videos which I would say are generally not safe for work and kind of uh, have a DIY aesthetic the I old horror films
1: only seen one music video and I'll be honest I was very distracted when watching it tell me a little bit about your perspective of the videos
0: okay well they're on YouTube, first of all, which is not your medium, as you <laughs> mentioned. They don't have a ton of views, maybe up to a thousand views. So that suggests that although they are having success on Bandcamp, people aren't flocking to these. Maybe that'll change and should change for the season. But nothing is scarier than being self-released, I would say. Each song has its own video. And I think that to talk about the rest of the discography, I think the the video for Night Creeps is very well done. It's the one that I would say is most fitting of an actual music video. The other is kind of like a montage of clips and almost stock footage level of horror films. I presume that he's the singer that you mentioned. They're pretty homemade looking effects of being scary. And one of the singles, Into the Gears, has a very effective use of butchery as a horror motif. So the <laughs> meat meat processing angle. Yeah, that'll, that'll creep me out like nothing else. Gruesome. I'm probably not going to watch all the videos just because I don't like the imagery <laughs> as much. I'm not a huge horror movie fan, I, I will admit. I get creeped out too easily. I prefer listening by itself. Well,
1: thanks for taking one for the team and watching the, the videos for me. <laughs> no, I don't mind I time. mean, they're not I,
0: bad but They're not by any means but, uh, yeah.
1: Oh, no, no I feel now like a bad friend for not giving the, <laughs> the visuals the time and energy they probably deserve
0: <laughs> I'm sure the stage performance is great If they put any of these the live acting right. out some of the things that are in the lyrics I think it would be great He probably chose these movies specifically for their freak out, scary appeal He mm-hmm. takes a fun song and makes it like uh, I don't know if I can handle this
1: sort of thing <laughs> Excellent
0: Do you have more to say about this album?
1: I'm so glad that I've got this album in my life now.
0: (laughs) It has brightened your life with its darkness.
1: It certainly has. And I'm glad that we are discussing it right now because I'm actively trying to get myself into the season. And yes, I'm not using this album as a novelty, but hey, it is October. Damn it. I'm ready to carve some pumpkins with my son, listen to some Pitch Black Manor, and get festive. I'm so glad that I've got a near-teenage son that's really into this album. That makes me so proud. And he loves yeah, the familial connection. That's really important. Eye-opening. Um, and
0: Top-level parenting there.
1: They've got the approval cool. of the 13-year-old over here, and that's awesome.
0: <laughs> okay, so what we'll talk about in the transition and what makes something appropriate for kids or not. Are you ready to rate this album in some way?
1: I'm a big, kind, open, tender heart. I can't go below 10 out of 10 10 being the best
0: that's the kind of high
1: inflation but you even back me up inflation on being a good friend
0: (laughs) there's definitely more than nepotism going on here I've only listened to Night Creeps the album once Uh, would you prefer this one or the other are they both 10 out of 10 you can't even say which one's better
1: I want to give Night Creeps a better listen to feel like I've been when it comes to digital platforms I will I will play my friends music to get those plays i may not be fully focused so i haven't been fully focused on night creeps yet from what i've been listening to awesome solid it's a continuation i, I at this point after listening to monster classics i am still in the mood so listening to night creep so far has been really easy for me because i'm i'm in the mood for it what i can say is what an awesome first reunion album what a great album what a mummy to awaken
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'd say open up the crypt and see what's still in there Then there's much more than I expected I would say I think (laughs) of a lot of bands that revisit their high school themed bands and you know they come up with a lot of stuff that sounds tired or middle-aged reflective midlife crisis kind of music and this is definitely not that this is vital this is original it's moving it's emotional it's danceable all of the great elements are there Given my less connection and less preference for the style, this is much louder than most music I listen to. I'm not gonna play this every day or every week even <laughs> probably. But still give it a I would give it a six point five out of ten. Enjoyable Beautiful. and great at what it does. I just think it's not exactly my style. Yeah. So definitely set. appreciate it. I would never have come across this without your help. So uh, thank you for putting me in the season from being outside the US. I don't see it as much Halloween action out here. Yeah. Definitely enjoyed it. <laughs> I think most 80s albums, especially, there's albums that are in the style of the 80s. There's usually one or two songs that I have to skip because they're too cheesy or corny or just not very interesting songs. And like I mentioned, I go start to finish on this and think, well, each is its own unique being and creation. An unholy nation of so many genres. Nice to hear it done so well.
1: Yeah, I like that. Very quotable right there.
0: Well, we're going to transition now from Pitch Black Manor to the Spits, and the way to do that, obviously, is with talking about holiday music. That both of these work very well for Halloween. Do you have opinions at all about holiday music, whether it's Christmas music or Halloween music? Does the season well, dictate Frank, what we listen to, or not?
1: Well, between the two, I think Halloween music's better than Christmas music.
0: <laughs> for sure, for sure. I um, absolutely despise Christmas music. Can't stand it.
1: I'm glad there's no. Your music. <laughs> oh,
0: goodness. Uh, there is, though. That's the problem. <laughs> can avoid would... it. Do you know other good examples of Halloween music? Well... Other than the Monster Mash?
1: No, you know, I remember I was watching a friend's uh, daughter. They were like 13, 14. So I was really essentially hanging out with this 13-year-old girl on Halloween, keeping her busy and occupied and hoping to pretend that I'm cool enough to keep her entertained and occupied. And I'm like, I will build a really awesome playlist. And my go-to, I guess, from... Halloween music is like dredging up like all of my favorite punk rock rock and roll loud music maybe fast metal you know if i can find something specifically creepy or some you know sound effects those are always fun to throw in no that's what i do for halloween music <laughs> but yeah, I, also... I don't
0: i think it's a wide open space that more bands should take advantage of you think of what are the iconic halloween albums i mean it's the you know, open field you could become a classic pitch black manor could become the greatest purveyor of halloween music known to the united states
1: yeah ever since the Monster Mash and Purple People Eater and all those really weird.
0: Yeah. They're oldies, though, yeah, right? We need a 21st century update version for the kids. Then the question is, should the season dictate what we listen to and what's what's appropriate to get kids in the holiday spirit? Both of these albums, you'd say, are okay for your son, who's not well, yet a teenager?
1: Yes, because I am aware of what he's already been exposed to and his understanding and maturity and uh, blah, blah 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 I wouldn't necessarily necessarily call pitch black manner safe for all ages by any means especially with the first song we're talking about i guess josh had kind of creeped into his um egyptology class back in college story about osiris and how he was sliced into 14 different pieces and his penis was one of the pieces that was cut up and and so it's referenced in the song and but you know with cruder terms less anatomical Mm. what is tradition everybody's tradition's different you get physical weather seasons in wisconsin and the midwest but it's not the same everywhere so what gets you in the spirit does everybody do halloween does every parent put up halloween decorations i tried for the longest time but darn it i it's effort (laughs) <laughs> We're getting support's not that important. We're doing it out of oh, but mom, you do this every year. Yeah, you're right. We should Probably like put up some cobwebs.
0: <laughs> Obligation for it to be to be uh, festive. <laughs> festive obligations.
1: It's always worth it. Yeah. Music helps.
0: I think Music it helps. musically, yeah, it make it feel like less of a chore and more of a game. And I think these are all playfully spooky and scary without a lot of naughty words. I think there are a couple of not radio ready songs, maybe, but the gore isn't excessive or there's not a lot of particularly adult themes unfit for family podcasts or radio airplay for the most part part on either of these both of them kind of like to play live sets the spits and i presume just judging from the music videos i don't know about pitch black manners live shows but they have an appreciation for black hooded robes
1: (laughs) yeah um from what i was Uh, reading all maybe mummy robes wrapped up in mummy tape
0: (laughs) did you ever get into secret chiefs three
1: i'm not familiar with that name
0: oh goodness well they're dark themed instrumental more of a soundtrack kind of a band they toured with les claypool and also oh. with a Dengue Fever, a wide variety of different bands there. They got a good sound to them. They have good costume stage presence, as you mentioned. How about the connection with spooky architecture? The, there has to be a haunted house involved. Pitch Black Manor on Monster Classics, the, the song Past Haunt, talks about how scary it is that you can never go home again. Yeah. Maybe there's some ghosts and some skeletons in the closets. Castle, obviously. Haunted Fang Castle is the name of the Spitz album. So what is it about architecture is <laughs> so scary.
1: Are we diving into architecture of Spooky right now?
0: Uh, The opposite of gussying up a place, make a place that seems otherwise wholesome and welcoming and turn it into a haunted house. That's a a ritual, right?
1: Quite. Oh, yeah. Created by music. Yeah. Putting yourself in the atmosphere, putting in the gloom, darkness. Yeah. Getting in the mood for it.
0: Both of these bands share a fondness for monster movies and scary album covers. Both of them have Midwestern roots. Is East Moline in Illinois or Iowa?
1: Um, it is an Illinois uh, city, yes, of the quad cities. So
0: I thought all the quad cities had to be in one state, but I, I guess I don't know the quad cities so well.
1: The great beauty for the Midwest quad cities is they stretch between both uh, Illinois and Iowa. Okay. So you've got Little Rock Kinda Island, Davenport, I believe, is in Iowa. Sure, sure,
0: sure. Waterloo yeah. and Iowa Ridge. City and all that stuff. Pitch Black Manners from mainly from Iowa and Illinois, then, and the Spits are from Michigan. Obviously, a lot of punk rock history there, Midwestern, semi-rural, small city rock scenes going on there. I, a previous host talked about the DeKalb scene in, in Illinois. So these are not not on the radar of most rock fans, but clearly they're putting out some interesting work.
1: Yeah, I've been um, there.
0: Comparing Pitch Black Manor, they have their niche. They have their theme for all of their songs. Whereas the Spitz haunted van castle is very much a departure from their usual sound and their usual themes. Is it better to be a, novelty band or to put out a single novelty album, do you think?
1: Is this the Spitz novelty album? Are there no other albums like this that they do?
0: In general, the Spitz are an old school punk band. Play old school punk rock like the Ramones, I would say. Short, tight, pretty repetitive, but get you going kind of music. Judging from their live shows, have you listened to any of the Spitz full albums? I think they've got like six or so of them.
1: I dabbled a little bit, but I I really stuck with solely haunted Fang Castle. I was really interested in the story and I kept feeling like I was missing something. I have yet to really go down on their legacy. I did notice that they're originating in the early 90s. So I think that, yes, that's a great comparison, a good compliment, accoutrement.
0: We don't have to do all comparisons, but I think that you don't want to get stuck in a rut. And you mentioned that if they get tired of being a horror rock band, they can always change their band to another one of their other band names, I guess. I don't know. I think that most of the regular Spitz fans who are... Really into Old school punk rock. They treat this EP that we're going to talk about as kind of an anomaly, as kind of a departure, as not necessarily a welcome one either. Think of it maybe more as a joke rather than a real part of their discography. This is them just fooling around, sort of a thing.
1: Kind of like the Beatles in their magical mystery tour.
0: There you go. (laughs) Don't take this album seriously. Don't take this as a real album. This is just us with some time on our hands or maybe some. The production uh, part of a series. You ready to talk about the spits? The
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was really engrossed in the story.
0: Let's <laughs> let's get the basic specs first. So, Fan Camp is the source for the previous pick. This one appears to be only on eMusic for, I think, $2. Uh, you can also find it on Apple Music. I couldn't even find it on YouTube, so it's pretty obscure. The Haunted Fang Castle EP is only five tracks and 18 minutes. It came out in 2010. I would, uh, I guess, consider it kind of a garage psychedelic punk rock put out on the Scion audiovisual... S-C-I-O-N series. It is on All Music Guide, but nobody has rated it. All Music Guide does have all of the other albums by the Spitz, and they're generally very highly highly regarded. They have a very strong following. People rate them regularly four and five stars, maybe only a dozen or so people, if we compare them to the hits on the Obscurity Quiz. That's not a ton, but small, dedicated following to their work. So you mentioned liking the story. Do you want to start with talking about the 80s for people who didn't live through them, or the early 90s, before the internet, before CDs really were common, And if you wanted to entertain a child, you gave them a cassette tape and put it in Teddy Ruxpin. And uh, (laughs) the chime tells you when to turn the page. Can you describe that era for people who didn't live through it? Ding,
1: ding, 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 ding. Yeah, it would be the early 90s for me, the pre-internet, then internet phase, hamstersdance.com or whatever that was. I remember as as a young child, we had this one toy. It was a, a headset, like a microphone, and it had a cassette tape on one of the earpieces. And there were several different ones. It was just a clunky plastic thing. You just slide right in. And it would correspond with the same colored book. And I'd be learning about the solar system with one cassette tape. And it'd be audio. You get to read along and you have your narration. Not just uh, cassette tapes, but there were the portable plastic record players, small little records with the read-along books. And yes, there would be a chime, you know, when you're reading along and you're done reading one page, you go, And it would signify change the page, switch page, kind of like a pre-leap program where you're learning phonics, learning to associate audio with your reading.
0: Definitely edutainment, educational as well as entertainment value.
1: Sometimes done by commercial serial logos, Trix Rabbit, you know, or.
0: A lot of Disney versions of actual cartoons that would. We put into that format with the storybook and the cassette tape with it.
1: Pre-us would be Donald Duck. Uh, there were a lot of educational films uh, starring Donald Duck. Now granted, you're right, it's not the read-along book. So.
0: Talking about home entertainment specifically, I mean you had to go to, a, before the era of VCRs you couldn't even say, well now I want to watch this or now I want to hear this story and in order to do that it really is pick a book off the shelf and put a cassette tape in. Because on-demand entertainment, I mean you could go to the theater I guess but if you wanted to see classic Don Duck. We really had to have in printed form rather than other media. On-demand entertainment is such a boon and such a attention span shortener and a spoiler for children. What do you think? Were kids she- in our era better off or worse off for not having, at the touch of a screen or a fingertip, to get exactly what they want? I
1: don't want to be too radical, but we do want the lives of our children to be easier than our lives. Correct. <laughs> well, we want to. In a most better regards,
0: time, right? <laughs> in most regards, maybe. Yeah.
1: I risk sounding like a fuddy-duddy. The grown-up sounded like when I was 12, 13. ay, ay. I am a nostalgic person, so I do long for a boombox. I don't have one in my life right now, but once I have one, I, I will feel kind of complete. I've got my record player now. Once I have a boombox, that'll be great. I'm also, you know, a sucker for the tangible, so it's been really hard for me to navigate the digital platform. I've missed the shift, but you know what? My son was born after the shift was already done. He knows how to navigate screened devices. Hey, that's awesome. I can learn from him. I don't have to like be cranky at him. That's not how we used to do it. But I can use that <laughs> storytelling time. He relishes in the action of flipping the records or picking out a record. I'll be doing the dishes. I'll be like, Atlas, can you put on a record? And I love it. This tugs my heart. He goes for Paul Simon's Still Crazy After All These Years album. And that's kind of a little inside thing between my son and I. We share a good story. It goes back since he was three years old, singing along the, the words to 50 ways to leave your lover there's nothing better than singing those goofy words with a three-year-old child
0: (laughs) it's a good start sounds like i feel like i'm going
1: way off topic from the spit
0: we'll circle back eventually do you think kids uh you know you you raised your kid to work with physical media and not have everything that's ever been created by all of humanity that one's Fingertips. Do you think that's going to help him to be more focused and less distracted, not going to have ADD or something, be a spoiled child as a result of that?
1: Well, no judgment to attention or abilities that way. In those regards, he could never be a spoiled child. No, it does have to be a single child, an only child. And I've been very conscientious about spoiled child. This is his generation. Like, yeah, everything is at his fingertips. He's doing school completely, you know, using these Chromebooks. All of last year was virtual and my goodness did he thrive we were very fortunate i know it really didn't work for a lot of people but we were fortunate where it it just clicked. It worked. He's great at it. Great with the computer. I like that. I recognize that he recognizes the appreciation of the ritual of picking out a record, placing the needle down. He knows how to handle media. He has a respect for that. I have shown him that. So it's a good balance. There is a great mix. He could also spend the entire day on YouTube and get a lot of platform. I don't usually do, but he's getting something out of it. I know that he's not just watching garbage. Of course, he's watching garbage. I mean, we all watch garbage when we're scrolling through the Internet. And it's just a different version of garbage for me. You know, I scroll through
0: Facebook.
1: He <laughs> zaps my brain. But we have such great conversations and dialogues. Say, hey, mom, did you know this, this and this about axolotls?
0: And I'll be like, wait, what? Privileged knowledge there.
1: We both have our tools and we bring our own knowledge to the table. We bring our own conversation starters to the table.
0: Well, it sounds very wholesome, healthy and good. In terms of remote, learning and pandemic virtual learning i just comparing that to doing that live with technology versus i'm thinking of the single frame at a time film strips that we had in elementary school where they would have the chime not just the storybook and it would be and although it was not new technology in the 80s do you have the film strips where the teacher one frame at a time with the audio cassette similar to that too or not
1: absolutely and did you ever get to be one of the classmates chosen to flip the scenes
0: oh man that was too much privilege because there were no students in my classes, they would flip ahead too far or they would lose track of the tone. They would get wrapped up in the story and forget to switch it and we'd all yell at them and stuff. Too much pressure.
1: You know, and overhead projectors, that was another thing that just blew my mind as a child. I love them. How they I loved do them that? Same. Yeah. I'm a generation that was very tail end of these. You know, had to have been one of the last to watch these reels because I was one of the first to get actual AV rooms. I, I'm also kind of like living and daydreaming for my parents, my uncle's generation appreciation of of when these forms of technology overhead projectors and reel-to-reel films, projections, uh, projecting films, portable, accessible, they were top you know, during their time and what could be done with it. I love experimental films. I'm fascinated with, yeah, light shows, overhead projection, uh, liquid light shows. And all that stuff is so inspiring. So yeah, Mm -hmm. then I see my record player. I I listen to prog rock and I'm inspired. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Taken to the time for my time.
0: An emerging element of concert is to be the VJ and put up the images behind the band performing live too, I think. Definitely an emerging art form.
1: It's an art, yeah.
0: Could kids handle it today? Uh, If you sat your son in front of a frame-by-frame film strip or a storybook, would he tolerate it or would he say this is boring?
1: Similar to me, he'll have an appreciation for it. He's not one to knock things. He'll definitely not. He'll poke fun or he'll goof or laugh, but he'll be fascinated by it. He's a tactile person. He's hands-on. So if he can take it apart, reconfigure it, slice it, dice it, make it a little bit better, I think that's kind of his interest. Seeing a bigger picture, than I think there's an appreciation. There's always those people in each generation, too, that have the appreciation for technology <laughs> (laughs) tools before their time.
0: The way things were done in the olden days. It's like going to the old world Wisconsin. Did you go on a field trip to those uh, butter-churning farmsteads?
1: I certainly did. And I grew up to work for the Historical Society for a brief stint.
0: (laughs) Well, there you go. This is the key. To appreciate history, you must do history. (laughs) To be of history. Okay. All this is to say, for those who haven't heard this album, this must have been a very confusing prequel, is this EP of 18 Minutes uh, takes that format and kind of does a... I guess a 21st century nostalgia trip for kids of our, or adults of our age now.
1: A trip, trip being the important word, I think Mm -hmm. in this album.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's very psychedelic. There are lots of funny voices via voice processing, and you know, keeping in mind this is a hardcore old school punk band being our narrator for this. So they're gonna play with things. They're gonna be mischievous, and they're gonna they're gonna be frankly dirty and loud about it. (laughs) Come raw with their sound. This is not a Disney musical by any means, Uh, but. (laughs) There is a storytelling, there is a balladry to it. Did you ever listen to, uh, I thought it was very similar to David Bowie narrating Peter and the Wolf with the orchestra?
1: Oh, sure. You You know, I was thinking, yes, I have. I'm glad that you brought that up. One of my thoughts was like, even earlier, uh, Bilbo Baggins, the story of Bilbo Baggins. I'm sure that was available on record and story read-along.
0: So definitely a different take on the story of a, a group of friends, even a band of friends, as they are a band, and I presume they are all doing narration, the different characters. There's a, a wizard, there's a barbarian, there's an archer and a robot. I think the four of them are. So. Yeah, ten going into the woods telling a story and it's a scary story certainly but a musical journey as well where where the characters learn and grow. Their noble quest is met with uh, many challenges and obstacles to overcome so there's a good message there. I don't know if if you've played any video games where similar to the Mickey Mouse game where you can either choose to fight the enemy or make friends with it or play any games like that.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely.
0: What initially appears to be an adversary or something evil that you must slay or kill, just tell Anakna knock joke and disarm them, basically.
1: I do have to say that grumpy troll tactic, any way to make something not grumpy, tell them a stupid joke. My son and I, uh, we both relished in this album, and it just so happens that that joke that broke the grumpiness of this troll is my son's number one go-to joke ever since he was, like, talking.
0: Wow, it connected. It hit. Yeah. I I don't don't (laughs) know if I'd ever heard that one, actually. but The the characters involved, uh, you mentioned Tintin already, do you think we can, can we trust cowardly robots? Or isn't the point of robot, robotics to be unemotional and impervious to fright?
1: Yeah, well, didn't Tim Tim give up?
0: He ran away. That's the he whole ran song away. Of yeah. The scary swamp. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, it was too scary. It was too much for him. My goodness. You're right. I, it ended abruptly after that. It was like, oh, okay. So that's how the story ends. <laughs> the robot yeah, ran yeah. away.
0: I mean, so yeah, I, I don't know if this is intended for children or, or what, but uh, yeah, the story is, uh, you know, jumps from incident to incident. And I don't know if there's a, a resolution, a satisfying conclusion to the whole thing. I don't want to spoil it. But uh, no, I think for the starting of it, though, very r 2 d in that uh, projecting the damsel in distress, just like in Star Wars, appreciated that connection. And Peter and the Wolf, this is like a punk version of that. A group, a band of merry makers on a quest go into the woods and each has their own voice processing sound and each song has its own own feel to it. I don't know, the unicorn song, for example. Have you ever heard a darker, more punk unicorn song than the Lonely Unicorn, however brief was, it was?
1: That was absolutely glorious. From what we gathered, it was a group of adventures. They were adventures out on adventure, and there's a princess who's in danger. And they have to go to the castle, the haunted fan castle, to rescue the princess. And they get there, and there's... They, they meet a unicorn on the way and they meet a grumpy troll on the way that becomes no longer grumpy and yes you know what i could really imagine the entire time listening to this is being at a punk rock show watching these guys maybe not necessarily performing this story but like after the storyline you know you know they they do the music then there is the music aspect of each track absolutely straight up punk goofy weird god did you ever listen to furious george never very punk very goofy very satirical but like absolute punk rock but like don't take them seriously you can't because they're goofy and weird I'm really enjoying this bit also just like this the story mixed with the music it really also reminds me of the part of Frank Zappa's Baby Snakes oh. video documentary where oh, the guy describing his trip on LSD in live time like he's tripping and he's describing it and somebody's doing claymation for it I don't I don't know if the claymation part was in real time or not, but like, could have been because I don't know. Maybe I was chipping. No, just kidding. Very psychedelic, man. Like, I love a good. Weird, bizarre, far-out story. Freak out, man! Like freak out. They have influence. They probably grew up reading Lord of the Rings or playing Dungeons and Dragons and being nerds, metalhead nerds. I dig them.
0: Would this story be best animated with traditional Disney or digital <laughs> or claymation? Do you think the cover? Mm. The cover looks a little claymation.
1: Yeah, go for the claymation. But while we're at it, throw in some like weird, like you wouldn't expect, crappy CGI. Like for the special. Yeah, Yeah, maybe even like early 2000s bad computer 3D CGI.
0: Nascent, (laughs) inchoate, uh, yeah, digital enhanced reality, like maybe, maybe Labyrinth era.
1: Like, there's a raw, like, analog feel to it, you know. Yeah, it came out in 2010, but like, their roots are definitely not 2010.
0: If Pitch Black Manor was the 80s to me, I think these guys went back to the 70s, even you know, almost proto punk, definitely garage rock of that era.
1: That's my thought, totally.
0: Did you like any of the songs more than the others, or is there one song per character down the road, and then there's the unicorn, then there's the troll, then there's the swamp and then there's the spider
1: the spider princess oaks oh,
0: Am I giving it away? Well, yeah, well no,
1: the title of the track is The Princess is the Spider. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, so I mean, like, dude, Clincher, that was a really awesome song. Totally worth okay. it. Great finale, I suppose. Um, so
0: then you did find the ending satisfying. I thought, like, well, wait a minute. There needs to be some fan fiction. We need to get the sequel. We need to know if there's going to be a rescue. If Tintin, who ran away, finds the courage to to save the day after it appears all is lost, you know?
1: I think it's definitely worthy of a sequel. Maybe they can read visit that
0: i kind of doubt that they will
1: yeah (laughs) let's
0: let's just have some fun kind of thing i really liked the grumpy troll song personally that was my favorite
1: i want to say that's the one that my son and i uh, go back to consistently i mean like i said it opens with the joke can i tell the joke knock knock
0: yeah okay who's there
1: Dwayne. Dwayne who Dwayne the Tub. I'm drowning.
0: (laughs) Brings a smile to any yellow-toothed troll's face, for sure. Uh uh, I think it's really catchy. It's like surf rock beach boys level, almost, with the the simple harmony there. I like the chorus.
1: I like the beach vibes, absolutely.
0: The overall voice processing and distortion of it all, I think that's intentional to make it seem really grimy and and grungy. Before there was grunge, there was old-school punk rock, of course, for a lot of the lyrics and i've heard it probably six or seven maybe ten times at most there's a lot of parts that I, I still don't understand like what did he say there or what were those lyrics about i'm not sure that i'd necessarily want to go in a deep dive to interpret the lyrics but rewards repeat listening so that you'll understand something that you didn't the first time
1: i kept going back into this one on repeat a couple of times because i felt like i was missing something especially the first time through because you know i, I looked up and all of a sudden I was like Oh, it's over. <laughs> I missed it.
0: <laughs> That's really short. I,
1: no, there's definitely a raw analog. It's nitty. It's gritty. It doesn't necessarily sound like it was produced in 2010. do look forward to uh, diving and feeling really nostalgic and listening to their earlier stuff.
0: Okay, definitely part of the charm. It's such a slight 18-minute EP. I, I don't know if there's that much more to say about this. Do you have?
1: Totally worth listening to if you want to feel weird, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and who doesn't want to feel weird?
1: <laughs> Broaden your mind.
0: it's not a typical album i'll say it's definitely a novelty fun for the whole family children and adults alike so the spits in general they're old school and not only in their sound but they don't do music videos this is a surprise to me they're really appealing to only the people who who want to see a good old-fashioned punk show, I'll link in the show notes to John Waters introducing them at Trash Fest. What greater endorsement could there be than John Waters? (laughs) Are you a fan?
1: I am king of freaking kink. I applaud that guy. So many artists and so many people have been influenced. Given the okay, like that internal okay, like would John Waters approve? Yeah. Yeah. He would say, go for it, man. And that's really cool. (laughs)
0: Right. Do it and do it yourself if necessary.
1: Do Do you uh, trashy? Do it.
0: Do you like his older aesthetic or his more studio polished stuff?
1: I was first introduced to him by Serial Mom. Absolutely love Kathleen Turner. Absolutely love Kathleen Turner. But then, hey, here goes. I Then I'm like, oh, I'll let Pink Flamingo. And um, wow, I never <laughs> thought I'd see gaping buttholes on ever in my life. So um <laughs> it's, like, it's like I don't regret watching it, mm-hmm. but like now I say to myself, I've seen that, I don't need to see it again. But yes. hey, you know, it's not like I'm worse off. No, i no, it, it's enriched, it
0: enriched enriched your life just in a it different
1: did, way. An odd, weird way. Yeah. I, I do appreciate the macabre, the weird, the bizarre the shock you know i kind of fascinated with the freak out phase of the late 70s there's a lot sure. of weird stuff
0: i think it's really inspiring to get out there and say hey i'm going to do something different today or with my life even
1: <laughs> <laughs> quite quite
0: eating dog poop on camera mm. <laughs> we were raised with the original hairspray and like you said cereal mom and so uh, Crybaby also and when i got into college and i saw that I went to the theater expecting more of that from his earlier stuff it was shocking yes <laughs>
1: Thank <laughs> you. Quiet, quiet. <laughs>
0: like, wow, these are the roots. And this is <laughs> from these early films, studios agreed to work with him and give him a budget. <laughs> so I guess that's, these uh, <laughs> should be taken as uh, points on the resume. Oh, opening With that aesthetic in mind, the the connection there to the Spits and their rough, unsanded corners and their sound. Do you like old school punk or do you prefer other punk fans? You actually do like punk music, right? So what are your favorites and how did the spits do the
1: Spitz rate? I do. I don't know. I guess my feelings about punk have really changed over time. I kind of realized a lot of artists and chauvinists just discussing garbage people come out of the woodworks. You know, people, you know, are, are there's a louder and better platform for people to. Well, it's coming out more and more that like people that I used to listen to are really awful human beings. And then I kind of have to re. <laughs> evaluate some of that music, some of those other bands, I've got more self-respect, so I've got less tolerance for crude folks that just,
0: uh... Well, misogyny, and uh, have you seen... Yes, uh, yes. ...the yes. movie, I don't remember who they were covering in this movie, but the song Nazi Punks F-Off was covered in... Have you seen the movie Green Room? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh, such a wrenching body horror movie about a punk band in Oregon that goes to uh, play in a rural area that ends up being uh, really, really, really scary movie <laughs> i was riveted the whole time and just Oof. kind of rooting for oh my gosh what are they gonna what horrible thing are they gonna do next sort of a thing Recommend it stars it stars uh, okay. patrick stewart actually patrick stewart mm-hmm. is the neo-nazi leader very un picard like
1: <laughs> so i i guess as far as punk goes i'm sorry some favorites now i'm self-conscious of like what purists will consider punk maybe i'm out of touch maybe i'm no longer with it whatever it is the other day i was like yeah the coral they're coral they're they're punk and my sister was like, no, the choral is not punk. And I'm like, but you can kind of hear punk elements in Uh-oh. this rock band. I don't know. So I, I don't know. <laughs>
0: my, my mom always considered herself a punk and she would always list talking heads as the punk band, which I never thought of as punk, especially as I grew older. It's like nah, the punk that I know doesn't sound at all like.
1: Straight to, like the buzz talk, which ooh, I listened to them the other um, couple of weeks ago and I was just like, that's nostalgic. But Dead Kennedys for sure.
0: That was probably the one that they covered in green room i think yeah, yeah. excellent well
1: yeah and i mean like i guess i kind of go back to Skazzy. um they're kind of a different element of punk for sure
0: well i mean there's you yeah, know different flavors for for everybody for every style i'm sure so yeah. for that said that uh, the spits are much more in line with bands like the ramones and i can't even name many others in that style and that they're short tight so songs, maybe a little bit samey and repetitive for those who are not big fans, I guess I would say. So I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to their other albums. I just thought this was Halloween themed and a good fit with Pitch Black Manor. And I support them and of course, uh, wish them well. And I'm glad that people are still making music like that and people are appreciating it.
1: I would completely agree that this specific uh, Haunted Fang Castle perfect niche album. Halloween seasonal album <laughs> and a great compliment Mitch mm-hmm. Black Manor.
0: They had a 2020 album I think it might be called Up All Night so obviously the darkness theme there. Is, so this isn't completely a stylistic or thematic departure. I wouldn't call necessarily these songs on, on Haunted Bank Castle necessarily punk rock songs. Definitely their their regular albums are and I don't know you're familiar with the, uh, do you know the Kills?
1: I know the Kills yeah. Do you
0: hear any similarities at all or?
1: Sure. Yeah, I could definitely see the influence. I was I was thinking of the Strokes, but that's not who I wanted to say. Thought um, about like the shock, and I'm sure like the Spitz puts on the best live show. And I, if Pitch Black Manor ever did live shows, they would do very theatrical. And I think the Spitz would be a, a accompaniment, accoutrement to that particular live show. They'd be great back to back.
0: Maybe they're they're kind of opposites, and that Pitch Black Manor hasn't done many live shows due to the pandemic but they do do a lot of uh, music videos and the spits are kind of the opposite where they don't have music videos but they do have on youtube a lot of their concerts and you can check them out so if if this is your style or if you need to be introduced to bands still making classic punk rock today i think the spits should probably be pretty high on that list Excellent. I will close with a couple of self-promotion things. I've got a couple of Halloween mixes that I'll be putting up on YouTube, one called Dark Chills, which is more atmospheric and maybe more electronic, and a second mix that will be Halloween Hits. I'll link it in the show notes when they're ready. And so get in the spirit to get to making those mixtapes again for Halloween or for other holidays or for just any reason that you want. I think mixtape culture... Is something that digital platforms like YouTube and Spotify. That's the upside. They may not pay their artists, but you can get back in the easy sense that everybody's a DJ and everyone should try it, don't you think? Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Do you want to rate this EP? Conclude?
1: Yeah, you know, I would do. Um, I back. I I go back to like, hey, way to go, guys! I'm so glad that you put out this album. I'm gonna give you ten out of ten because that was worth it. I
0: can't deal with all this positivity.
1: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd make the worst critic. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, noted for the future, if we do another episode, and I hope that we will, I'll give I them can- the same rating a 6.5. I think this is, a, it, it works very well for what it does. And I, like I said, I, it has a lot of repeat listening value. A lot of people will dismiss it as insubstantial and certainly not typical of their usual work and not like it for those reasons. But I like it for because it's not like usual punk rock. So yeah, 6.5 out of 10. So thank you, Loveheart. You are knowledgeable and charismatic, and we hope to have you again on Out of Obscurity someday.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this was a real pleasure, and I've been really looking forward to it. Stay spooky. <laughs>
0: stay spooky. Hope we met your expectations for rights.
1: Yeah, thank you so
0: much. We'll keep you That was further. Cool.